Good afternoon. Uh, we will be having our Bible study today, but just a reminder, uh, during Advent, usually Lent, we, uh, we don't have our Bible study uh, during those seasons. So then we will stop and we'll pick back up with uh, 1 John then after, after Christmas is over. Also, just a reminder, we do have our Advent devotionals in the back. Um, Advent doesn't start until this Sunday, but you're welcome to pick one up now. And uh, for the season of Advent on Wednesdays, we'll, like I mentioned, we'll still be having our 2 p.m. service, and we'll also be having a 7 p.m. service. Um, there'll be the same services. The only difference is at 7 p.m. we'll be singing uh, hymns because we'll have an organist there with us. We just don't have an organist during the daytime. But otherwise, the services uh, will be the same. Our first reading for this afternoon is from the fifth chapter of Isaiah. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the second chapter of First Peter. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good as you come to him. A living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in the scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We begin our recitation of the Lord's Prayer with the introduction. What is the introduction to the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear Father. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you. From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're beginning this new portion in our catechism with the Lord's Prayer. And it's, of course, probably the the best known prayer throughout the world among all Christians. And, And this Lord's Prayer starts off just so simply and yet so importantly that Jesus Christ has encouraged all of us to call God our Father. We all know that the Father is, of course, Jesus. He is the only begotten Son of the Father. But yet he allows us, he encourages us, he tells us that we also are to regard God the Father as our Father. Not someone else's Father, mine, yours, as if it's our possession. That's the radical, wonderful beauty of what Christ has done for us. Everything that Christ has done for us has now allowed you to have this relationship with Jesus, Heavenly Father. A relationship so close that you can call God the Father your Father, our Father. And that's why the simply the beginning of this prayer is so revolutionary in that regard. God is your father now. And as Luther wrote with the the meaning, that we may with all boldness and confidence ask him, as dear children would ask their their father here on earth. And there's that, that boldness and that confidence. You know, why? Why is it that we can be bold when we speak to God, our Father. Why Why can there be confidence? Why are we not sheepish and say, please, maybe if you want. No, Luther says boldness, confidence. Why? Because he's your father. And any father will listen to his son or his daughter, right? Now, I know right there we may have opened up a whole can of worms because frankly, in, in this world, we may not have all had great fathers, right? Or mothers. In this regard, though, father. We may not have had a great father. Our father may not have even been around. Our father may have been abusive. Our father may have been loving. Our father may have been faithful. Yeah, it could be a whole mixed bag, right? And that's the nature of living in a fallen world. 
But still, we never shy away from calling God our Heavenly Father, even though that word may be loaded with all kinds of meanings in this fallen world, because he is our Heavenly Father, a perfect Father. And it's in God and only in God that we see what a a worldly, earthly father could be like and should be like, really. Because really, God the Father is the Father of all fathers. And we see in our readings some of the things that our Heavenly Father does for us. And like a good father, our Heavenly Father sometimes disciplines us. But only for our good, right? And the scriptures speak of this often, that a good father doesn't allow his son or his daughter to just run amok doing whatever they want. If you're a loving father, a caring father, you discipline your children. You tell them you can do this, but you can't do this, right? I always tell this to confirmands when they, they don't like always, well, even some adults don't always like the idea of being told they can't do something they want to do. And I said, okay, so imagine you have a two-year-old at the top of a staircase on the second floor of a house, and you're the dad. Do you let the two-year-old do whatever they want? There's a big staircase right there, wooden, and it ends on a concrete floor at the bottom. What if the two-year-old says, I want to crawl down this, I want to go head first down those stairs. Is a father going to let him? No. A good father will stop the child, right? So sometimes our Heavenly Father has to discipline us. And sometimes he does this on a big scale where he tells us what we can do and what we cannot do. And he does discipline us. I won't go into too much of the details, but when Isaiah wrote his amazing Old Testament book, his prophetic book of Isaiah, it was about 700 years before the coming of Jesus. He wrote it over about a 50-year period. And Israel, Israel was nasty. It was not a place of faith. It was not a place of kindness. The Israelites had forsaken God. They were worshiping God one day, worshiping Baal the next day, worshiping mingling, worshiping of false gods and the one true God. It was just a mess. And this is what God said about this. He described it in Isaiah as his vineyard that he planted, his people. And he said this, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, meaning in them, as faithful people. If they were living faithful lives, There would be justice, there would be mercy, there would be kindness, there would be civility in their country. And he didn't find that. What did he find? Bloodshed. They were just punching, killing, stabbing each other left and right. No true justice. No one watching out for their neighbor anymore. It also said that God looked for righteousness in these these people. Morality. Lives of faith. And he found none of it. It it describes, he says, but behold, an outcry. Meaning, that's like an outpouring of your spirit where you look around you and everything's just a hot mess and all you can do is wail. 
That's all that God found. So this is what the prophet Isaiah said that God was going to do, and God did. He allowed a foreign nation to invade Israel and occupy them. He said, I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I'll break down its wall. It will be trampled. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. God was their heavenly father. And he did what was needed almost 2,700 years ago to his children, Israel. He disciplined them. Why? So that they would be brought to repentance. And they did. They were for many, many years. And then God had to do something again about 200 years after that, the same thing. There's one thing you can say, well, there's a lot you can say about our God, our Heavenly Father. But I think one thing is this. He's long-suffering with us, right? Not just us individually, because our span of years might be 10, could be 40, it could be 80 years or longer. But... And in that span of time, whatever whatever our length of days is in this world, God is long-suffering with us. He is patient to a fault, isn't he? But then look beyond just us. Think of 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. God was still long-suffering with Israel, with his church, his children. That's just the nature of our God, our Heavenly Father. He disciplines, ultimately, so he could love. And that's what he talked about today in our reading from Peter, where Peter wrote about you. And he said this about you. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's you. I I, I don't know how often, it's not enough, but I wonder how often we realize that what's written in the scriptures is written about us. It's written about you. This is you. God the Father chose you. Whoever you are, wherever you were, wherever you grew up, no matter what your circumstances were in your home, no matter what your life was like with your earthly father, your earthly mother, or your siblings, or no siblings, no matter how bad or how good it was, God chose you. And brought you out of, as he said, called you out of darkness, unbelief, and into his marvelous light, a life in Christ. That's what your heavenly father has done for you. By sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross in our place, we have been adopted as sons, the scriptures say. Paul talks about this in Galatians all the time. So that now, 
as Jesus himself foreshadowed here in the Lord's Prayer, we, with all boldness and confidence, can now say that Jesus' heavenly Father is my heavenly Father too, is your heavenly Father also. Don't take that lightly. For you to be able to call God your Father, it took the death of your brother, Jesus, for that to happen. So don't take it lightly. Treasure it. It's such a wonderful gift. And as we begin uh, the season of Advent next week, I'm especially struck by what Peter said, that God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that really is the whole theme of Advent, of God calling us, having a life in him, a life in the church, a relationship with him as our heavenly father, a perfect father who will love us throughout our days, through thick and thin, no matter what, until that day comes when we are all united and reunited with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven for all eternity. Brothers and sisters, some we know that we've lived with in this world, others who have been around for thousands of years, right? Like Isaiah, who wrote 2,700 years ago. We will meet him one day, our brother. All because we have the same Father, our Heavenly Father, whom we pray to and approach with all boldness and confidence, thanks to Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.